It's Tuesday, and you know what that means. It's a new episode with the Murder Bucket Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good evening, Murder Bucket family, and welcome back to Tuesday. Tonight, we have another episode in our Last Supper series. But before we get started, let's quickly do our week slash weekend recap. I feel like I say this every time we have a week slash weekend recap, but not a lot of interesting things have happened in the last couple of weeks. The only things that really stick out are our church had a marriage conference on a Friday evening and Saturday all day, which was really nice. We got to hear several different messages from guest speakers that we had, and we played some games and then we did a little dance party at the end of the time on Friday evening, which was a lot of fun. We brought our daughter with us because they had childcare. And once the dance party started, we went and got her and she just kind of let loose. She was all over the floor, dancing, partying, having the most amazing time. And what was really funny about that is when we came to church on Saturday for the second part of the marriage conference, we pulled into the parking lot and my daughter just immediately said, Mommy, we're at church and we're going to dance. Unfortunately, there wasn't another dance party on Saturday. And then when we came to church for just regular service on Sunday, she also said as soon as we pulled into the parking lot, Mommy, we're at church and we're going to dance. I had to politely tell her that we don't dance at church every single time that we show up, but she still really wanted to do it, so she's been trying to talk our pastor into having more dance parties. And we shall see how that goes. Another exciting thing that happened was on May 9th, we celebrated eight years living here in Maryland which is the longest time that my husband and I have ever lived in a place together. Super exciting. We try and commemorate the day in some form or fashion. Um, We usually go out to dinner with a couple of friends, but we haven't been able to do that the last couple of years. Completely understandable. Everybody's super busy, but we still at least like to acknowledge the fact that we have lived here for X number of years because... You got to be excited about something, right? And lastly, our church had a Mother's Day brunch on Saturday, which was really wonderful. I enjoyed spending some quality time with all of the mothers in the church that came and a lot of their friends that they had brought in with them. We got to hear a really nice message from our bishop's wife. It was just so wonderful to be able to relax and hang out and eat some really delicious food. Sunday was, of course, Mother's Day, and what I did was lounge on the couch because that's exactly what I wanted to do. My Mother's Day gift was chocolate and flowers, and then I asked my husband to clean out one of our big flower beds on the corner of our property. 
because it really just had a lot of weeds and bushes and things that I just really didn't want in there and it looked really bad. And hopefully when it stops raining outside, he can go ahead and finish that with getting some mulch and putting the flowers down that we had actually bought and make it look really nice because of course you want your flower beds to look really appealing as people are driving by. And now I'm going to stop rambling about my life and get into tonight's episode. We are discussing Alton Coleman. This is the only information that we have regarding Alton's early life. Alton Coleman was born on November 6, 1955 in Waukegan, Illinois. He was one of five siblings. He was raised by his grandmother because his mother worked three jobs and didn't have time to take care of him and his siblings. Alton dropped out of school in ninth grade and started getting into trouble. He began with petty crimes such as theft and property damage, but then went on to sexual assault. Between 1973 and 1983, he had committed six sex crimes. Two of those cases were dropped. He was acquitted for two of them and pleaded guilty for the last two to receive a lesser sentence. He was scheduled to go on trial in Illinois for sexual assault of a 14-year-old, but fled with his girlfriend, Deborah Brown. But who is Deborah Brown? Deborah was born on November 11, 1962. Wikipedia.com is the only place that has any information about her besides her birthday. It states that she suffered head trauma as a child and was diagnosed with a personality disorder. She was engaged to another man when she first met Alton, but called it off and moved in with him almost immediately. Alton and Deborah committed their first crime together in 1984 when they decided to kill nine-year-old Vernita Wheat, who was from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Alton was friends with her mother when he decided to abduct her daughter on May 29, 1984. Vernita's body was found on June 19 in an abandoned building just four blocks from Alton's grandmother's house. The autopsy report stated that she had been sexually assaulted and her cause of death was ligature strangulation. Just days after she was killed, Alton befriended Robert Carpenter, spent the night at his home, and then borrowed his vehicle and never came back. In June of 1984, while Alton and Deborah were living in Gray, Indiana, they came in contact with 9-year-old Annie Turks and 7-year-old Tamika Turks. Alton and Deborah sexually assaulted both girls, but miraculously, Annie survived the attack. Unfortunately, Tamika did not. Tamika's body was found on June 19th. The same day that the girls were attacked, 25-year-old Donna Williams disappeared from Gray, Indiana. Her body was found on July 11th a half a mile from her vehicle in Detroit, Michigan. Autopsy reports stated that she had been sexually assaulted and her cause of death was ligature strangulation. It is believed that Alton and Deborah also killed Donna Williams. In order to leave the area, Alton and Deborah broke into the home of Mr. and Mrs. Palmer Jones of Dearborn Heights, Michigan. They beat them severely, stole money, and their vehicle. By July 5th, Alton and Deborah had arrived in Toledo, Ohio. This is where Alton befriended Virginia Temple. 
When Virginia's family noticed that she had stopped communicating with them, the police were called to make a wellness check. When the police entered the home, they found her children inside who were alone and scared. After further investigation, police found Virginia and her oldest child, nine-year-old Rochelle, strangled to death in the crawl space below their house. The same day, Alton and Deborah broke into the home of Frank and Dorothy Dumendeck and bound them with electrical cords. They again stole money from them as well as their vehicle. They then drove to Dayton, Ohio, where they befriended Reverend Millard Gay and his wife, Catherine. Alton and Deborah attended a religious service with the couple on July 9th and were then dropped off in downtown Cincinnati the next day. On July 12th, 15-year-old Tony Story disappeared. Her body wasn't discovered for eight days. The reason that authorities believe that Alton and Deborah had something to do with her disappearance is because a bracelet that was stolen from a previous victim of theirs was found under her body. On July 13th, Alton and Deborah arrived in Norwood at around 9.30 in the morning. Three hours later, they left the area in a vehicle that they stole from Harry Walters. He was left unconscious and his wife Marlene was sexually assaulted and beaten to death. The autopsy revealed that Marlene had been bludgeoned 20 to 25 times during her assault. Police discovered bloody footprints made by two different pairs of shoes in the basement as well as Alton's fingerprints. They had stolen Harry's Plymouth as well as money, jewelry, and shoes. On July 15th, the stolen Plymouth was found in Kentucky, abandoned. At the same time that it was found, Alton and Deborah had kidnapped Olin Carmichael, a professor from Williamsburg, and driven back to Ohio with him locked in the trunk of his car. They then abandoned his vehicle days later with Olin still in the trunk. Thankfully, police were able to rescue him while he was still alive. Soon after this, Alton and Deborah returned to the home of Reverend Millard Gay. They stole his car and drove back to Illinois. Along the way, they stole another vehicle and killed its owner, 75-year-old Eugene Scott. On July 20th, Alton and Deborah were arrested in Illinois. Two police officers noticed them in a park and approached them. Both were taken into custody, and upon arrest, they found a gun in Deborah's purse. When they arrived at the police station and were strip-searched, a knife was found in one of Alton's socks. The state of Ohio convicted Alton and Deborah, finding them guilty of sexual assault and murder of Tony Story and Marlene Walters. Unfortunately, they were unable to convict them for the murders of Virginia and Rochelle Temple in Toledo. Both Alton and Deborah were sentenced to death. Alton's case was sent to the U.S. Supreme Court several times between 1985 and 2002 in hopes that his conviction and death sentences would be overturned or at least reduced. In the case of Tony Story, Alton's death sentence was overturned, but his death sentence in the murder of Marlene Walters remained. They were also both sentenced to 20 years in prison for transporting kidnapping victim Olene Carmichael across state lines. So what was Alton's Last Supper request? Alton asked for a well-done filet mignon smothered with mushrooms, fried chicken breasts, 
a salad with French dressing, sweet potato pie with whipped cream, French fries, collard greens, onion rings, cornbread, broccoli with melted cheese, biscuits and gravy, and a cherry Coke. I love everything on his Last Supper menu except for the collard greens and mushrooms. I have never been much of a fan of either of those things, and I think it's because of the texture. Also, I wouldn't want to be overly full if I was being executed later. While I would love to have a really nice meal before I died, I don't think I would be able to eat that much or even want that much. On April 25th, 2002, the Ohio Supreme Court rejected a final claim by Alton's lawyers that the state's plan to accommodate the large number of victims and survivors who wanted to view the execution would turn into a spectator sport. Alton released a letter apologizing what he had done before he was executed. Alton Coleman was executed on April 26, 2002 by lethal injection in the death chamber at the Southern Ohio Correctional Facility. At the time of his execution, Alton was the only person in the United States to have a death sentence in three states. Deborah was originally sentenced to be executed in Ohio, but her death sentence was changed to life in prison by Governor Richard Celeste in 1991. She was one of eight death row inmates to have her sentence reduced by Governor Celeste. During her sentencing hearing in Ohio, she expressed no remorse for the crimes that she had committed. She is quoted saying, I killed the bitch and I don't even give a damn. I had fun with it. She was also given the death sentence for the murder of Tamika Turks in Indiana, but her sentence was reduced to 140 years in prison in 2018. In a video Deborah made in 2005, she apologized for her actions to each of the victim's families. She is currently serving her sentence without parole at the Dayton Correctional Institute in Dayton, Ohio. And that concludes another installment in the Last Supper series. But before you go, please take a moment and listen to this promo from my friends at the Shrimp and Crits podcast. Hey, sorry to interrupt your favorite podcast, but I'm here to tell you about Shrimp and Crits, an actual play podcast with a southern twist. My name is Ian, and I am the keeper for this show as we play Monster of the Week by Michael Sands. If you like the sound of swampy monster mayhem, gators gone shopping, and magical fairy mischief, you will be right at home in the remote panhandle town of Gullicochica, Florida, where spooky danger has begun to wash ashore. Shrimp and Crits is the story of Sarah Payne the Mundane. All I'm asking for is answers. That's all I'm looking for is the truth. Ari Green the Searcher. You know the proclamations of the fame. I suggest you follow them from now on. And Ray Ray, the most mundane monstrous you will ever meet. Mr. Zeus, I'm a I'm a big fan. I, I knew you were I knew you were real. Um and Ray Ray's just like bowing in front of this swan. As they fumble their way through protecting their skeptical town from mysterious evils. We release new episodes every other Monday on the podcatcher of your choice. Hope to see you soon. In sunny Gullicochica. I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. Be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.